Good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. Um, I love seeing old friends and new friends. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see your faces. I know we were only, Priscilla and I were only gone for a few days, but it's good to be back with you all. And welcome back, Jeff. Um, I just, before I even launch into preaching, I just want to say thank you to everyone that covered the prayer room and the dogs and the house while we were gone. Um, This was like probably one of the first times in a long time that Priscilla and myself and Joseph and Jeff was gone. Like everyone was gone at the same time. Mama Juan, like, so we were very glad to come back and see that the building was still standing. So thank you for taking care of the Lord's house and one another. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about hospitality and like, what does hospitality look like in the Bible and realizing, you know, at least for myself that I'm like, oh man, like, I don't know very much about it at all. And I want to dive deeper into the Lord's heart regarding this, uh, issue Um, But today, I really want to focus on Jesus and how he ultimately is the greatest host of all. Um, And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But just a quick um, recap from the past uh, Sunday. So last week, we talked about how hospitality is a holy thing. Like, and it's something that um, we realized in looking at different letters to the early church, it was actually a requirement of early church elders and deacons, just as much as them not getting drunk or having affairs was, uh, as, was important for them. It was just as important for them to be hospitable. Like that was listed out as one of the requirements. Um, so it was very important in the early church. And there are also, we looked at a lot of passages that described how we have the opportunity to host saints in a manner that's worthy of God. Or the flip side, of course, would be that we don't host them in a manner worthy of the Lord. But that's that's something that we're invited into and commended to do. And one of the reasons for that is that Jesus takes it personally the way that we treat the other members of his body because he sees us as part of himself. He doesn't see us as like separate or other, but he says, hey, as you've done to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So he takes it personally and he rewards and judges us accordingly. So just a little quick recap there. And the last thing we're going to talk about just as a refresher from that last week is that when the Bible tells us to receive saints, you know, be it like a missionary who's coming into town, someone that's coming and sharing the gospel or a prophet, that word receive at the heart of it, it doesn't just mean like, okay, I'm going to have you over for coffee and we're going to like say hi for like 30 minutes and then you're going to leave. Like, but receiving is actually like, no, like I'm taking you into my home and I'm making you my own. Like you're coming into my family. Like I'm receiving you. I'm taking your burdens upon myself. Like I am receiving you the way that the Lord has received me. Um, I, I, sh- I shared that with Priscilla a couple weeks ago, and she's like, oh, yeah, kind of like what we did for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so um, Jesus, our host. Oh, sorry, I should probably pull my notes up here. Uh, but so Jesus, I love thinking about that really, like, at the end of the day, like, hospitality is not just something that he does, but it's actually just a part of who he is. And we, like, when we feel welcomed by Jesus or we feel rest around him, we're going to look at some of those reasons why we feel that way. But Jesus isn't just being hospitable. Like, he is hospitable. He's welcoming. 
He makes home, he makes family wherever he goes. If you look at some of the instances in the scriptures where Jesus is hosting, you know, if you think about he's, he's bringing out wine at a wedding, that's not his wedding. Like that's not his operate like his he was not obligated to host there you know or when he's washing the disciples feet at Passover that's not even his house right now technically all things belong to the Lord so really it is all his but like the point is that like he was hospitable wherever he went because that flowed from his person and his being um and one thing that I love about the hospitality of Jesus is that there is nothing patronizing about his hospitality And I love that because like all of us, like as human beings, like you can kind of sense, like I remember when I first moved to Ohio, I thought it was so weird that strangers in like the post office or the grocery store would talk to you. Like as soon as somebody would be like, hi, like I'm like, what do you want from me? Like I was so suspicious. I was like, are you selling something? Like, what are you trying to get from me? Because yes, Californians are not as friendly. Praise God. Um, But there's like, when Jesus is hospitable, he really is not trying to get anything from us. Like he's, he doesn't have ulterior motives. He's not just trying to make us feel good about ourselves. Like it's just who he is. Um, And ultimately like he embodies that biblical understanding of hospitality because he's taking us into his home forever. Like, and that's, that's really what I want to hit on this morning is that like we are eternally going to be at home with Jesus. Like we are his resting place and he's chosen to make his home with us forever. And that's not a small thing. How many of you guys, you know, you kind of come into the prayer room or, you know, you open up your Bible to just spend time with the Lord on your own. You just feel the peace of God sometimes, right? Like How many of you have felt that or experienced like, oh, just this tangible peace, right? Everyone loves that. It's such a relief, just such a kiss from the Lord. You're just like, ah. But Jesus' rest and his presence, like that's not an ethereal thing. It's actually a relational thing. Like his rest is not just like this like fog or this mist kind of floating around in the room and all of a sudden we connect to it and oh I feel the peace of the Lord but no it's his person it's his presence and that the same way that like if I have a a rough day at work and I come home and I see Cindy and Priscilla and the puppies my soul is just like ah I can rest right we feel that way in Jesus's presence and there's You could list a million reasons why for that, but a few of them that I just want to highlight today, um, the first reason is because he actually enjoys us. He actually enjoys us. Like he is not bothered by being with us or in our presence, but he actually likes to be with us. Um, And then the second reason is that he feels secure in his father's love. He is not coming to us looking for us to make him feel secure, as many people do to each other, right? We do that to each other all the time. But he's already secure in and of himself with his father, in relationship with his father and the spirit. And the third reason is because there is no part of Jesus that considers himself. Like there is no shadow of turning in him. There's no darkness in him. There is zero selfish ambition in this man. And that makes him so safe for us to be around. Um, I, I want to look, uh, if, turn with me, if you will, to John 14. Or actually, sorry, 
yeah, go ahead and uh, turn to John 14, then we're going to skip ahead to 17. So John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. If you skip, skip ahead a couple chapters, and he says in John 17, he's praying right before he goes to the cross, and this is what comes out of his mouth. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. We see that before, before he dies, like this is what's burning on his heart is that we would be with him. And I love, um, I think about, you know, like I don't know that we really grasp the depths of this. Like I know I don't. But the fact that Jesus wants to be with us forever, I think it's so interesting because because we live in such a broken and fallen world, we have even, you know, especially in the world, there's kind of this idea of like, well, I can spend this much time with you and then I think I'm sick of you and I really don't want to be around you anymore. Like that's the fallenness of man and the state that we live in. But God doesn't do that to us. Like he just doesn't. He doesn't get tired of being with us. He wants us with him where he is. And I remember, um, I don't know, however long back, a couple years maybe, there was a, a guy that was coming um, to kind of hang out with us and maybe didn't have the most attractive of personalities, right? Could have been a little abrasive or kind of pushed some other people away. And Priscilla would just like sit and talk to him for hours. And I remember picking her brain one day. I'm like, so he, he really doesn't bother you, huh? And she's like, no, like I actually really enjoy talking to him about this and that and da 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 like, And I'm like, wow, like, okay. Like he, he really just doesn't bother you at all. Like, and I remember like being kind of surprised by that, like in a good way, but if we can see that in a broken and like fallen person, like how much more does the Lord like, you know, I'm like, wait, like you're that person that's driving me crazy. Like he really doesn't bother you like at all. <laughs> like, come on, Jesus. Like really? <laughs> but like through and through he's pure and he's good and he's holy. He's love. Um, and sometimes I think because as a society, like we have, reduced hospitality to an industry or like a service that you pay for. You know, you go to a nice hotel and you expect that they're going to take good care of you or that it's going to be very comfortable, right? You go to a restaurant, you expect them to to be attentive to your every need because you're paying them, right? But biblical hospitality is not that. We we covered last week that Jesus said, actually, hey, don't host those people that are going to host you back. Like, don't host your family. Don't host people with money. Like, host people that are poor. And so the the hospitality of of Jesus is different because there's something that's deeper than just like I'm going to make you feel good or I'm going to make you feel welcome because there's an exchange of goods or services but it's actually no like I eternally want to make my home with you and I want you to be with me and that's why we feel so good and safe around him when he says in my father's house are many rooms I I am always astounded at, at families or couples that adopt children because you are taking someone that was not your own into your home. Like, that's a big deal. 
That's a big deal because like your home is your sacred like resting space, like where it's supposed to be peaceful and loving and like not full of strife or challenges or turmoil. Like, but for someone to bring someone else into their home, like that's a whole nother level of love. Like that really takes the love of Christ to not just be like, all right, I'm going to say hi to you on a, a, you know, on a passing basis, but actually like, I'm going to do life with you. I'm going to share my house with you. So adoption, praise God, that's amazing. But what is even like more astounding to me is, is uh, foster care. Because when you, like my cousin and her husband, like they're both believers. They adopted a baby when he was an infant, very horrible situation surrounding his birth, but like he's grown up in a loving home his whole life. So he's not known anything besides that. You have a foster child. You are now bringing in all of the baggage that they've carried from a family that has been dysfunctional and broken and communication that's been poor. And you hear these horror stories sometimes of these kids that are, are in love and in selflessness. They're brought in and they run away. They steal things. They're like cursing at you. They're causing all kinds of trouble because they cannot fathom that depth of love or selflessness. And at the end of the day, like we are all foster children before the Lord. Like we really are. And in the family of Christ, like we're bringing each other along with all of our baggage and all of the dysfunctionality, like into the family of Christ. And there's only, at the end of the day, there's only one thing that makes that possible. And it's the blood of Jesus. Like when you look at bringing someone broken into your home and you're like, oh my gosh, my rest is now disrupted. Now I'm getting accused when I've been selfless and like this and that. You're like, ah, but God does that for us. And he doesn't like, like there's every reason why we should not feel at rest with each other and why he should not feel at rest with us. Like he cannot trust us. We've been accusatory against him. We've been deceitful. We've betrayed him. We've done X, Y, Z sin. Like there is zero reason for God to feel safe in our presence, right? But be, but for the blood of Jesus, like he can bring us into his home without us defiling it. And likewise, something that I've been so struck by is that if he does that for us, then the relationships that we can have with each other, that's now we have so much more grace to know like actually even though I can't trust you like by the blood of Jesus like I can be at rest with you because we're running towards him together and his blood covers our sin so praise God I want to look at a passage um or sorry just well two more thoughts and then we're going to jump into John uh 13 we're just in John all day today um but I love I love the the there was a, a quote from a, a Cageless Birds podcast that some of us were listening to lately. And this guy named Chris Miller, he said, Jesus being a no resistance home for the Holy Spirit meant that he could go into any environment, even hell itself, because of what he possessed inside of him and because of how much he was at home with the Father and the Father was at home with him, how much the Holy Spirit had access to every part. Sorry, I thought I had a slide for that. Apparently, I don't. Um, but I, I love that, that, that we can be at home no matter the circumstance because of our father. And Jesus, because he's not looking to get his security or his safety in us, praise God, because he's already safe and secure in that relationship that he has with his father, he is safe for us to be around. Um, so let's look at 
let's look at John chapter 13. Turn with me, uh, if you will. Ian, would you be my reader today? We're going to look at John uh, 13 from verses 1 to 20, I believe. John 13, 1 to 20. Amen. Thanks, Ian. Um, I love this this passage, and some of the things that I kind of want to pull on here is that Jesus, like, he is about to go to the cross. All of us, I would imagine, in our lives have experienced some sort of betrayal or some sort of rejection, and none of it even, like, comes close to what Jesus is about to experience and what he has experienced, right? Because not only are his closest friends all about to turn on him, but his entire nation, the people group that like from the beginning of the world, he had set apart for himself. That entire nation is about to reject him as their king and Messiah crucify him. And now in the midst of that context, everyone else is leaving him but his father. And What's amazing to me is that's the backdrop, that's the context for which we see Jesus taking aside his outer garment and washing their feet. And I, I want to highlight that because I think that sometimes when we think about for ourselves, like when we are hosting people or loving people or caring for people, one of the 
I think some of the big barriers to us doing that well is our own insecurity, number one, but also a fear of rejection and or betrayal. And sometimes it's so easy for us, you know, even within the church, you get a little burnt like a time or two and you're like, I don't know if I really want to extend that much love or that much selflessness again, like for people to take advantage of. But I don't see that in Jesus. And that makes me feel a little convicted because then all of the excuses that I just had for why I don't have to go out of my way to love on people and to lay down my life for them are now gone. They're gone. They're just gone. And so I love that that Jesus, because he was secure in his father, he was not wrestling with insecurity, he wasn't thinking about himself, but he was actually, even in the hour of his deepest and darkest betrayal, he was still thinking about us. He was still thinking about pleasing his father. And he still had the freedom to recline at a table and eat a meal with the people that were about to all disperse and scatter, right? And he still washed their feet. And that is so amazing. Like that is the heart of like the hospitality and the love of God is that I know you're about to betray me and I'm still going to wash your feet. I'm still going to wash your feet. And I, I can't fathom that. Um, but I want to, in the midst of this, like to Jesus commands us to do the same. Like he commands us like, hey, you're not greater than your master. Like you're going to do the same thing. You're going to wash each other's feet. You're going to love one another as I have loved you. And um, we are commanded even, you know, later on in, or, or earlier on, I suppose, in the scriptures and the Beatitudes, Jesus says, like, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Uh, so I, I love just just realizing in light of what he's done, what he invites us into. Um, that when we look at hospitality, we look at serving and caring for and welcoming others, be it into your physical home or into this spiritual home, like this house, this house of prayer, this family, that we do that because that's what he's already done for us. So I want to just touch briefly um, to kind of close this, like looking at some of those barriers that we mentioned. So some of the barriers to being, to walking in this same and flowing in the same love and hospitality that Jesus gives us. One of the barriers um, that I wanted to hit on this morning is insecurity. And I think that this is something that all of us wrestle with on different like levels or varying degrees or in different situations for different reasons, but we all have it for the most part. Um, and I, I wanted to point out like, so number one, how do we even recognize that this is a problem? Like, or that this is something that might be a barrier to love. Um, and one, one thing I just kind of want to throw out there is that if you feel different around different people, you know, if you feel like kind of secure in one context, but insecure in another context, like then that kind of is a good indicator that your security is not as rooted in the Lord as perhaps it could be. 
Um, and so that might, uh, it could also, I think another way that I see insecurity sometimes manifest itself, I've seen it in my own life, my own heart, is when you are, sometimes if we're insecure in an area, be it we feel like we're stupid or we're poor or we're not attractive or we're not like socially with it enough, like all of these insecurities that different people might have or you're, you know, whatever it may be. When you start to despise the people that are good at what you think you're bad at, like that is a, a big indicator of insecurity that if I am struggling financially and all of a sudden I despise the rich, or if I think that I'm not very smart and I despise those that are well-educated, or I'm not very like fit and I despise those that are healthy and like have nice bodies, like all of those things like that, that despising is actually like a red flag that we have and possess some measure of insecurity there. And those are not limited, but those are just kind of some that popped into the top of my brain. So once you do identify it or the Lord, like in his grace and his mercy, like highlights, Hey, you got a little something there that needs a little healing. What do you do with it? Like, how do you combat that? And one of the things that I um, so appreciate that Priscilla taught me and a lot of, of you guys, I think as well in the past is that just a simple principle that if you walk into a room, you have a room full of people you walk into, like most of those people are going to be thinking in their brains, like who's going to talk to me, right? So, but the flip side of fighting that feeling is that you go in and you're like, oh, who can I talk to? You know, like who's, who's alone? Who needs a friend? Who can I get to know better? Who can I make feel loved today? And it's this simple, it's a simple shift of not thinking about yourself but thinking about others, which is exactly what the Lord calls us into. Um, so that's a, a simple example. The second thing that I want to point out is that for us to grow in our security in the Lord, like actually requires something proactive on our part to build that relationship with him, right? Because Jesus didn't just kind of like, like if Jesus never fellowshiped with his father, like if he hadn't had a history and a relationship with him, like, who knows, like maybe he would have become like, you know, you could fill in the blank. But for us to be secure around other people means that we have to get our security from someone else. And that requires us to intentionally spend time in his word, like thanking him for his truth. Like, God, like you really want to be with me forever. Like, but I suck. <laughs> like, are you sure? <laughs> like taking that before him in the prayer room, like again and again and again until it gets internalized. And we're like, wow, you really do. You really do want to be with me forever. Like, I can't believe it. Um, and the third thing I just wanted to point out, and this is more in terms of combating the insecurities that we feel that cause us to despise other people. But I think that it's so important for us to practice thankfulness in those situations. And that instead of, you know, I could, I could walk into a room, like I could look at Jeff and be like, oh man, Jeff is so, so tech smart. Like I'm so dumb and I don't know how to do anything. Like, and I could be very self-centered in my thinking of that process. Or I could be like, thank you, Jesus, for giving Jeff some awesome tech skills that he uses to bless the body. Right? Like those are two very different frames of mind. And you might come in with one, but when we actively, proactively thank God, it helps us shift our hearts and our minds over into the other camp of like, instead of being insecure, being like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for like, 
you know, thank you for the sense of humor that you gave G that you didn't give me quite that. Like, I just, I don't have that, but thank you for it. Like, you know, thank you for the gifts that you've given these other people, like that I get to celebrate in Christ. Cause as we talked about last time, or two weeks ago, like we're not looking at our gifts as individuals. We're looking at our gifts and our talents as a body. And it's not for us, but it's for him and it's for his glory. It's for his, the collective of his creation. Um, so with, with that being said, I just want to take some time um, to respond to the Lord. So Priscilla, if you don't mind. Um, but there's, there's a few things that I want to hit on. And I just, as we kind of close, like, I just want to make space for him to uh, to do a couple of things, and and one of those, one of the things that I just I feel like um, it's not up here, but like I I want us to be able to kind of like come before God and give Him permission to like just get rid of the excuses that we have for not loving people well be it our like fear of like, oh, they're going to stab me in the back or they're going to reject me or betray me. Like Jesus has already endured that. And he already like decided that that was not enough to stop his love. Um, and so that's one of the things that I want us to invite the Lord into this morning. And the other couple things is just really for him to root out like any insecurity or, or, or ways that we have of thinking and relating to others that are selfish. They're just, we're centered on ourselves, right? Um, and thirdly, just, just to, to ask him to give us more revelation of his desire to be with us and to be with his people, that like it would hit our hearts that like in those places where we're like, I love you, but I can only handle so much of you that like God would like blow that out of the water and give us his heart, that he'd give us his heart for us, that he'd give us his heart for others. And so um, I'm just going to pray into that. And we're going to take some time to respond to the Lord. Um, 